Welcome to another podcast from Fire Church Ministries. We hope you enjoyed this message from Jess Barcinez. So good. Uh, so this morning, I get the great privilege of uh, not just sharing the word with you today, which, by the way, this is my first time preaching here at Fire Church. So <laughs> thank you. And I only say that because, uh, you know, when, you, when you're the rookie at something, when you're new, you're sort of like you, you, you don't quite realize how quick the time goes as well when you're up here. Um, I was sharing in the nine o'clock service that uh, because for the past 18 months, I've been leading the uh, kids program upstairs and the kids team and fire kids for our three to 12 year olds. And so when I'm up there teaching or doing a mini sermon or an object lesson, you've got a pretty short attention span with kids. And you've also got to throw in some bribes. You know, we say, okay, if we want to do this now, you're going to sit on the floor and we're going to listen to this story or whatever we're doing and then you get a snack. Or if you give me two minutes and listen to me with your attention, I'll give you 10 minutes of games. So I'm kind of trying to get out of that because I I get that I don't need to bribe you guys this morning to listen to me. Your eyes and your ears are already looking at me. It's amazing. So thank you. I do understand if you tune out, I do understand, I'll I'll almost be expecting it, but a thank you for your attention this morning. (laughs) I'm of course just being silly, but uh, thank you to our awesome kids team as well. You know, our church is a church of every generation and we really want to pastor and equip and disciple you no matter your uh, birth year and we really mean that and so if you've got kids between the ages of 3 to 12 please know they are welcome to join our program on Sunday mornings uh, upstairs and even if they've never been before if you are over the age of 50 and you're like where's my program well my father along with a bunch of other people uh, are running a um they call it fire folk. I won't call it the oldies group because that's actually quite disrespectful. Uh, they are awesome and that's growing and, and God is moving there. And if you fall in between that, God is moving. Amen. Because he has something to say and something to do no matter your age. I'm going off topic. <laughs> I'm going off topic, but I get to talk to you today not only about the Word of God, which I'm passionate about, but an area which I am so, so passionate about, which is worship. And and this morning, we land on part two of our two-part series. So this is it. You get me for part two of our worship series. And hands up if you were here last weekend for either of our morning services. And you would have got to hear Pastor Dan uh, speak on worship. And I hear it was incredible. And uh, I say I hear because I was upstairs with the kids. And so um, I am feeling really, really privileged and excited about continuing this topic. And, you know, if you weren't here last week, that's okay because what I'm going to share isn't necessarily a, a continuation or a sequel of what Dan shared, but it certainly will build upon it. So if you didn't hear the sermon last week, that's all good. Just tune in today and uh, let's see what God wants to do in your heart today because I really, really believe that the key to having an amazing, amazing relationship with our Lord is through genuine, authentic, lay-down-your-life worship. 
And so I get to share today on a topic that's very passionate to me and honestly has flipped my life upside down. And um, so worship, I want to I wanna kind of, uh, what do you call, De- debunk? When, when you sort of like, let's fix up a few myths that are out there in the Christian world. So worship is not necessarily defined by the 15 to 20 to 30 minutes that we set aside to sing some ballads about Jesus in a room like this or in a cathedral. So music is such an awesome expression of worship, but it's certainly not the definition and certainly not the the alpha and the omega, the start and the finish of what worship in spirit and truth really is. Now, I say this as a person who loves music, love it, grew up with it, had the privilege of having parents who love music and passionate about music, so my house was full of music, our rooms were full of musical instruments, my parents started a music tuition school, so hey, what do you know, I get free lessons, and I uh, was playing piano from the age of three or four, I uh, have the, the privilege of having um parents who love lots of styles of music and then of course growing up in church and being brought into places like this where music is about Jesus. Oh my goodness, life changing. And so I love music, but God has shown me through my young adult years that Worship is not defined by music and in fact some of the most powerful moments of worship in my own life where I've been on my knees in full surrender to Jesus have not involved music. Some have, some haven't. And I want you to know today that if there's times where you don't enjoy what we're doing up here, God still wants to connect with you. He's waiting to see what you're going to bring. What's your offering? What can you bring to him? What what is your adoration? How much can you show him that you love him because he has done so much for you? Regardless of what's happening up here, regardless of whether you have access to music or a worship leader to help you get there. Now, these things are amazing, but we got to worship Jesus without it as well. Amen. And, uh, you know, I really feel today, and I did share um, essentially the same message in, the, in our nine o'clock service, but, you know, God is a living God and he's ready to speak. He knows who's here in nine o'clock, who's here in 11 o'clock. And I really feel right now uh, to, I want to speak to those, there's sort of two camps right now in this topic. And I want to speak to those who have a musical or a worship gifting on their life Um, some talents, some skills that kind of fall into the music creative area. And I also want to speak to those who don't. So that's basically everybody. Hands up if you believe you have a talent or a skill or you know how to play an instrument or you can sing or you're part of our worship team or you've been part of a worship team. Be really honest. Hands up. It's not a show. Look at me. I'm the best. Thank you. I want to speak to you today on this area of expression of worship. And I want you to know that God does not see you in your gifting. He sees you in it, out of it, through it. So your identity is not in your gifting. And in fact, how much of a true worshipper you are has nothing to do with that skill, though he will use it, though he will ask you to use it, and though he will ask you to grow in it. It actually has nothing to do with that. Hands up if you're not skilled even if you wish you were. <laughs> My husband's being very honest. Uh, I, I often 
If I'm brutally honest, my husband Alex in the front row here, multitasking, rocking our almost two-year-old, is just on his nap time, so he's having a bit of a grizzle in the front here. Um, my husband loves music, loves worship. He's a passionate worshipper. You'll see him up in, in the front row in the altar, and he, you'll see him on his knees, but he can't sing. He can't sing. I love to hear him sing. I love to hear him participate in uh, the expression of musical worship, but he really can't sing. <laughs> but God doesn't care. If you just had your hand up and you can't play an instrument, you can't sing on key, you don't really know whether the worship is good or bad on a Sunday, which in itself, with the, the language we use around that, by the way, it's a whole other sermon. We should never say that the worship is good or bad. Don't you decide whether it was anointed or not, by the way. Enjoy it. Celebrate it. Honour those who will give up their Sunday mornings and their Wednesday nights and the whole week practising. But please don't tell them whether they're anointed or not. Thank them. Participate. And worship whether it's good or bad to your ear. So those who don't have a skill, can I tell you, God doesn't see you for your lack of skill. He is not hearing you in tune or out of tune. Amen. Oh, thank goodness, because there's been times where as a person who is skilled, I've sung out of tune, even on stages, and God doesn't care. <laughs> thank goodness. He is looking at your heart. He is looking at the posture of your heart here, corporately, and on your own. And so, point one of my message this morning is worship is not the expression of music and song, although it's a really important part of it. And thank you, Jada and the team this morning for leading us so beautifully. Let's never take it for granted. Yeah, let's give them a clap because they give so much. They give so much worship teams here and, and you know, all, all across our blessed country and, and internationally, they really give so much so that we can enter into the presence of God so easily. But imagine if you are in a prison. No music. What did Paul and Silas do? No music. No garden, no waterfall, nothing serene, no atmosphere that would really lead your flesh to feel, ah. I mean, I've never been to prison and I certainly wasn't in the kind of prison that they were in ever. Prison's probably pretty different now. But they praise and they worship and there was breakthrough so I want you to understand that the expression of worship can be, honestly, a privilege most, most of the time. Can we worship him in spirit and truth without the expression that we know? And this is coming from someone that loves music, loves, loves music. And, and you know, I'm passionate about worship through music, but I definitely know that it is not defined by that. So I've been thinking and, and meditating and, and uh, pulling apart a scripture that I want to share with you today. And it's in chapter Luke, uh, chapter Luke, book of Luke. And it's chapter seven. If you want to open with me, I'm going to read it to you. 
Luke chapter 7, verse 36. Many of you will be uh, familiar with this story. Often we share, uh, in churches, we share around this story when we talk about extravagant giving, and sometimes that's around money. But today I want to show you how uh, this picture, this story, really represents what it means to worship God in spirit and in truth. So, verse 36, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. Verse 39, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, cancelling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he cancelled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven, so she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. And then Jesus said to the woman, Your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, Who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And so there's so much in that passage and there's so many things that we could talk about around um, just how radical that is, what she did, and the fact that she would be bold enough <laughs> to do what she did. But looking at worship this morning, and I, I really want to, I, I want to be able to equip you this morning to know that your identity is to worship him in spirit and in truth. So when we look at this picture, I want to I just show you, and it, it's quite obvious when I say this, but there's nowhere, no part of that description where it shows us that there's any music, any atmosphere of what we know to be worship or what we've somehow defined worship to be. In fact, she was an uninvited guest and yet she shows us a picture of what it means to worship Jesus, to worship God in spirit and in truth. And I want to acknowledge today, some of you might know, but I didn't know until I, actually someone told me and then I realized, oh, I'm preaching that morning. It's Pentecost Sunday today. 
So June the 9th, 2019, Pentecost Sunday moves in the same way the Easter calendar moves, so it'll be a different date next year, but it's uh, the seventh Sunday after Easter, and of course many of us will know that Pentecost Sunday represents the time that the Holy Spirit descended upon the apostles and upon the uh, followers of Christ and those who believed, and they started to speak in other languages and a whole lot of stuff was going on and I can imagine that it was pretty crazy, pretty exciting too. And then, by the way, 3,000 people were added to them. That's pretty crazy in itself. In fact, I don't know what we would be doing if 3,000 people turned up today with uh, more ushers, yeah, more kids team. Uh, Sorry, no coffee because we can't keep up with the orders. Um, But it's Pentecost Sunday And, you know, as Pentecostals, we're a Pentecostal church. We are a proud Pentecostal church. Our movement, the Australian Christian Churches, is a proud Pentecostal movement. And we believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe that he is in us, working through us, and that he gives us gifts. And he is essentially what we have right now here on earth. Amen? And so on Pentecost Sunday, I want to talk about in spirit and in truth, what does that mean when, we, when we're asked that we would be worshippers, true worshippers that worship Jesus in spirit and in truth. Well, whose spirit is it? That's one of the questions that we get. Well, whose spirit is it? My spirit? God's spirit? Both our spirits? And truth, what does that mean? Like, do I need to know the whole theology and be doctrinally correct and I need to work out uh, what's my priorities as a Christian and what does that mean? Should I stop doing that religious thing? Or what does it mean to be a true worshipper in spirit and in truth? And I want to look at this woman with the alabaster jar full of rare perfume. And I want you to see that the keys are in this passage to understand in spirit and in truth. So she was uninvited, but she knew she needed to get close to Jesus. She knew that Jesus was the person that she needed to get so close to. And she knew that he was worthy of something of great worth. So she had truth. She knew that he was truth. She knew maybe she didn't have full understanding but she knew enough to know that I've got to get to this man and I'm going to bring my perfume with me. Now, no, people don't carry perfume around, by the way. So that was pre-thought by her. She had brought her most expensive thing that she had. So that was pre-thought. And then she turns up uninvited. So it was a dinner that Jesus was there for. She wasn't meant to be there. She turns up and we read in that passage that in the presence of Jesus, all she could do was cry. Have you ever been in that place? Where in the presence of God, when you are so close, you're there. It doesn't matter what else is going on. It's you and Jesus and all you can do is cry. Am I the only crier in this place? I'm, I'm pretty like... As a parent, I can be pretty kind of stoic and sort of, I don't know, sometimes I think I'm the bad cop and he's the good cop. But I'm not super emotional, but in the presence of Jesus, 
I find myself in tears most of the time, if I'm honest. And I, I think it's so interesting that this woman knew that she had to get to Jesus and that she knew she had to bring something of worth and, and she had an understanding in her head to plan that. And yet in his presence, her heart, her soul, her whole being, all she could do was bow to her knees and cry. As I say this, I feel like I could cry right now. But I'm going to keep it together because I've got some more to say. And she cried so many tears that it was enough to clean his feet. So we know it wasn't like a, oh, Jesus. (laughs) The atmosphere here is just amazing. (sighs) She was weeping. Weeping. That's a lot of tears to clean someone's feet and then wipe those tears with her hair so it got messy. It gets messy in the presence of God and that's okay. It's okay when your heart is postured to him. When you are moved by mercy, it's okay that it gets messy. In spirit and in truth, it was her head, it was her heart, it was her whole being, it was her bone, it was her marrow, it was her perfume, it was her tears. Can you imagine if that passage didn't have one of those things? If it just described the perfume? It's pretty radical, it's wasteful, it's extravagant, but I'm missing maybe the impact of the heart, I'm missing... A key. Can you imagine if she was in the presence of God and she wept and it was messy and, oh my God, I know I'm not meant to be here and I'm a dirty, rotten sinner, but you're going to forgive me. But she had nothing else to bring. Well, she had it, but she left it at home. Or it was coincidental that in the presence of God, she was moved. It was an emotional moment. No, she came, she pre-thought, she found him out. She brought that perfume and then in the presence of God, all she could do was weep. And the passage tells us that she kissed his feet and she couldn't stop kissing his feet. Can you imagine being so lost in the presence of God? So lost in your adoration for him that it didn't matter what else was going on. All social etiquette was lost, by the way. I've seen that happen in church before. (laughs) I like that. I like those moments when people forget what's going on. She was so lost in the presence of God that all she could do was weep, wash his feet, adore him and submit to him. That act of kneeling down and kissing his feet was adoration and submission, by the way. All concept of time was lost, I believe, in that moment for her. In spirit and in truth. How do we know it was truth? How do we know it was the right doctrine that she got? Well, she was at the right person's feet. How do we know that she was worshipping in spirit? All of the rest. Her whole heart, her whole mind, her whole soul, moved by mercy. 
So I want to ask you this morning, when was the last time you were so moved by mercy that you forgot where you were, all other thoughts were gone, you weren't thinking about where you're going for lunch, you were so moved by mercy that all you could do was bow down at the feet of Jesus and worship him, not for what he's doing for you, but for who he is, truth, mercy, love, peace. When was the last time? Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. This morning... I wanted to talk about how sometimes we get the language wrong with worship, with this topic, and it can actually really affect how we are and who we are and the actions we take. And so worship was always meant to be a verb. Worship is not a noun. It's not a description. It's not a, a name for a team here. We actually call our worship team our creative team, by the way. I'm not trying to have a go or to trying to, to pick out and, and be really nitpicky about our language in, in, the, in the body of Christ. However, I know sometimes that it can affect how we see ourselves and we put some people in a group and then we go, oh, just try and go along with go, what's going on. No, worship is a verb. Do you know what the noun is? Worshipper, that's you, that's me. Worship is not the thing that we come and experience and hey, maybe if I don't like the worship anymore, maybe I might go to another church and find a place that does it the way I like it. Maybe I might tell the worship team or the pastor that, it'd be a lot easier for me to enter into the presence of God if they turn the music down a little bit. Or they sang something a little more current. Or, hey, no, something a little older. Can you stop doing the current stuff? That is not the essence of worship. Now, sometimes those things are important. And it's not meant to be distracting. These things, these tools, these expressions are for us to be able to enter easily into the presence of God, to get the distractions away. But you are the noun, worshipper. Worship is the verb. So there's an action involved. You, the worshipper, are meant to be worshipping. And so I had a kind of a funny analogy. I didn't get to share this in the last... Um, service but I was thinking about the analogy of myself running now I don't identify myself as a runner I can run I sometimes run but I don't identify myself as a runner I certainly don't run regularly maybe God's speaking to me like I should start running regularly but I don't do marathons I don't work my way towards doing things like that I, uh, you know, I acknowledge that people put in a lot of time and effort and uh, congratulate those who do, but I don't identify myself as a runner, but I occasionally run. I can run. 
And uh, that's about all it is. And then certain moments that will cause me to run. Like, uh, I'm trying to think of them actually. I don't know, the rain's pouring down and it's school pickup time and I didn't bring an umbrella or the rain cover for the pram. I'm running. I'm trying to get to a cafe that's about to close at 4pm, which by the way, why do they close so early on the weekends? But, and it's 3.55. I'm running to put my order in. So maybe there's some promptings that get me to run, but I don't identify myself as a runner and the running is just to get me to get the thing that I need. Imagine if that's how we approached worship. We occasionally worship, I can worship, I do sometimes worship, but I don't identify myself as a worshipper. That's just those people that do that thing. God is looking for those who will worship him. The true worshippers, he's looking. That's a bit scary, actually. He's looking. So I wonder how many people he has to scan around to find them. He's looking for the true worshippers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And in John, it tells us that he's looking now. The time is now. He's still looking. And so I know I want to be one of the people that when he's looking, he stops and he goes, there she is. That's got nothing to do with my musical talents or lack of. That's got nothing to do with how expensive my perfume is or whether I preach or whether I give to the poor or whether I'm a missionary. It's all of the above. He's looking in spirit and in truth, heart and head, bone and marrow, your whole self. Lay it down. Lay it down because what else can you do when you're so moved by mercy but adore the one who's given everything? There is no comparison. Anything you bring to him will be no comparison to what he's already done for you and given you. It's incredible. Worship is a verb. Don't be like me with my running. I want you to identify yourself as a worshipper and you know we sang that song, the Revelation song, it's called Holy, Holy, Holy. Guess what we're all going to be doing? I kind of want to go into it, but it's it's a whole other sermon. But you were designed and created to actually do nothing else but worship him. And we will be repetitive. We actually won't even have the vocab to fully describe to him what he means to us. Kind of like me right now. I don't have the vocab to even imagine and express to you what it will be like when we are all bowed down to him in worship. My God, holy, 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 you are so worthy. You are so worthy. When was the last time where you were so moved by mercy and so moved by him that you could adore him in whatever expression without anyone else around? without any tools to help you get there. Maybe the setting didn't look right. Maybe there was no audible noise to help you. Maybe there was too much audible noise. Like when my kids are around and they don't want me to put worship music on because they want the wiggles on. (laughs) 
or I don't have a beautiful place to go because I'm driving in the car or I'm doing this, doing that. But God, I need, I need to be able to worship you any place, any time, heart postured to him in spirit and in truth, head and heart, your whole self. Let's not compartmentalize anymore what it means to worship him. It's not a moment. It's who you are. It's a verb and you are the noun. You are the worshipper. He's looking for you. He wants you to be a true worshipper in spirit and in truth. Thank you, Jesus. As I, as I, <laughs> I so appreciate the encouragement, but I really know that honestly, if we can get this, if we can get this, no matter how long you've known him, if we can get this, it will radically change your day-to-day walk with him. Because all of a sudden, you entering into the presence of God has nothing to do with anybody else. Oh my goodness. How freeing is that? Suddenly I can come into church and when I worship corporately, I can just participate. I can stop caring about this guy's voice. How talented is he, by the way? I can stop caring if my favourites are here or not. I can stop caring about the tempo or watching others or being thinking about, oh, there's a moment where I'll raise my hands because I won't raise my hands in that bit. I'll raise my hands in that bit. And I've just got a sort of few thoughts on my head, so I'm going to just get them out of the way. And then, you know, these are all things we go through. We have flesh that we're dealing with. But when we realize and we truly understand that God's looking for true worshipers in spirit and in truth, and, oh, that lady actually had no music. She was just so moved by him. It just got messy and she just expressed herself however she needed to in that moment. Will I give you permission this morning? You can express yourself in any way and whether there's 50, 100, 200 people here, whether you're on your own, whether you're in the car, whether you're in prison. He is looking this morning for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Thank you, Lord. And I wanted to quickly actually uh, talk about something I, I looked up. I had, as I was preparing this message, I had a song Uh, pop into my head a familiar song and I knew I was going to be preaching on this topic and it's a song an old song by a worship leader called Matt Redman he's a really famous uh, songwriter and he wrote a song called the heart of worship hands up if you know what I'm talking about I'm coming back yeah I'm not going to sing it and that was not the right key you see (laughs) still sing out of tune oh so talented Hey, maybe we'll sing it together, but I want to tell you this story. So I looked up this, I thought, I want to know the story behind that song because it's so cool and it's got so much to do with what I'm talking about. So I'm going to read you the lyrics, but um, it's actually nearly 20 years, exactly, anniversary of Matt Redman writing that song. Some of you who know that are probably kind of thinking, no way was that 20 years ago. It was 20 years ago. (laughs) Um, And it... It, was, it became a really famous song that was sung all around the world, but 
it's interesting the whole purpose of him writing that song um, was essentially kind of dealing with some stuff at that time. Uh, he was the key worship leader in, in a big church in the UK back in the 90s when, you know, modern contemporary worship had had this reboot and Hillsong was going big and Darlene Check was doing her thing here and, and so there was this kind of uh, musical, I guess, revival, you might say, and it was a good thing. But then the pastor of his church in the UK, it was a big church, recognised that there was a dynamic missing and, and they'd kind of, their church had maybe lost their way through the success of, um, you know, having music go around the world and all these other congregations singing their songs. And so it wasn't um, doing badly, but um, thank goodness the pastor recognized that they'd kind of lost their way, that they'd, they'd kind of moved away from the heart of worship and, and true worship. And so the pastor did this radical thing where uh, on a Sunday, I assume it was a Sunday when they were meeting, he took away the sound system, told the band, no, you're not on today, and uh, took you know the lights away, all that gear. And of course, people like you turn up and, well, have I turned up on the right day? What's going on here? And there was a bit of awkward silence. And then eventually, the people broke out in a cappella song, Heartfelt Prayers. And there was a refreshing, a renewal to move them back towards true worship and getting it right and understanding that as amazing as music is and helpful and beautiful and God loves to hear our praises, it's actually just an expression and we can really move away from understanding that it's about him. It's not about the feeling I get when I sing or when someone else sings for me. And so Matt Redman was part of that. And then he, um, from after that, he went home. And of course, as a songwriter, God starts speaking. And in his bedroom, he starts writing down these lyrics about how that moment moved him as a, as a songwriter. And, and he writes down the lyrics of The Heart of Worship, not intending for that song to go around the world and be sung throughout congregations, still sung today, many, many renditions of it, but I wanted to read the lyrics to you, and then I, how about we give it a sing, Geordie, yeah? All right. I actually refused to sing it in the last service when Alex was yelling out, sing it! <laughs> I was like, no, I just want to read it. <laughs> I had it here, and of course it's gone. I'll try and do it really, really quickly. The Heart of Worship. As I'm looking up the lyrics, why don't you reminisce about maybe singing this back in the 90s? And you know, reminiscing and nostalgia, be really careful. That's not the anointing. <laughs> That's just a free one for you. <laughs> Matt Redman writes a song in his bedroom called The Heart of Worship. When the music fades, all is stripped away. And I simply come, longing just to bring something that's of worth, that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within, through the way things appear, and you're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It's all about you all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. And it's all about you. All about you, Jesus. You know, if you, if you say, I'm coming back to the heart of worship, there's a suggestion there that it's very possible to move away from it. 
even now in 2019, and we are in an awesome church, fire church, I'm so encouraged when people just come to the altar and they just worship and get straight into it and there's no looking around and seeing what other people do. I want to really want to encourage you and congratulate you for being a people who are true worshippers. But we can still be vulnerable. Our flesh can get in the way and we can start thinking about styles. We can start thinking about preferences. We can start nitpicking. We can start thinking about our talent, their talent, my lack of talent, who should be there. No, this is one expression. I want you to get in your bedroom. I want you to get in your car and I want you to be moved by mercy. Your perfume and your tears. So I want to invite you this morning, wherever you are, We're going to sing this song. Thanks for listening to another message from Fire Church Ministries. For more messages like this and other resources and information, go to our website, firechurch.com.au.